Hey, Zach. What up, Vince? How you doing today? I'm all right. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah? How are you? I'm okay. So, what's new? Not much. What? Same old, same old. Just got back from San Antonio. Went to a badass restaurant called Cured. What's uh, it called? Cured. Oh, right on. Yeah. How was it? It was I mean, It was great. Dude, they do a great job with charcuterie. Oh, so many good things. Right. I probably would have spent all my paycheck there. <laughs> well, that that's good. I mean, not good, but yeah, it's good that you'd spend mo- that you would want to spend your whole paycheck on there. So, uh, welcome everybody to Two Cooks Without a Kitchen. I'm Vince. This is Zach. And uh, today's topic is going to be about charcuterie. Uh, you may be asking yourself what charcuterie is. And uh, I'm going to let our uh, good friend Zach tell us what charcuterie is. And mostly, I think everybody has an idea what charcuterie is and uh, have, has had a charcuterie. Uh, Meat, yeah, uh, in some way, shape, or form, we just don't realize it and we don't recognize the name charcuterie. So, Zach, go ahead and tell us what, in a nutshell, what charcuterie is, or if you want to go lengthy and basically, it's it's about preserving food, right? Um, What, yeah, it's about preserving food, it's what you would find in your normal deli, uh, okay, cheese, uh, cheese, pickles. Cured meats. Cured meats. Um, right on. Fair enough. So it's it's typically associated with specialty and gourmet meats. Yeah. Um, and it, artisan. It's it is an artisan process, I guess, but because it takes so long. It takes so long. Just it, it's been around. It's been around for ages, and yeah. I don't. Vikings. Uh, what. Chinese, Egyptian, everybody had some form of dried meat. Or, right, some some way to preserve. For preserve their food. I mean, that's where we get salted cod. We get, uh, what else? I mean, pickles is, is a fermented food. Right on. It is left to sit in a acidic, uh... Bath? Bath, basically. Cool beans. Where bacteria is allowed to grow, which is like vinegar, and, and right it ferments and turns and preserves the food so that one would last longer, uh, and two, it brought out more flavor in the dish. Right. And, of course, also change the profile of the, and it bring it, the flavor profile, and it brings out something, mm-hmm. something different. It brings out that umami flavor. Right. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, what's it called? I mean, it's the reason why we could explore the world is because we could preserve food longer for exploration. Right. So that people could go across the sea and come to America or 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 travel across China and 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 visit new places. Right on. So, uh I guess you were talking about the preservation what are some of the charcuterie techniques or or things that go into making charcuterie there's lots of things what salt uh smoke um what else fermentation and baking right on so smoking fermentation salting brine uh oh brine and brine also right yeah briny and uh, baking right on so but brining is a form of salting I guess but it's just yeah. a liquid form with spices and what have you not it's more like pickling right cool beans well man that's that's pretty interesting alright so right off the top tell us some of the generic basic type of charcuterie for all our listeners that don't know what the hell charcuterie is that they probably consumed and they don't realize what? go smoked turkey roast beef Salami, okay. Pepperoni, like everyone eats pizza. Right. What's it called? Um, ham. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Sausages. Well, shoot, right on. It it, it was c- 
creating a vehicle for people to eat that meat, tough meat that right. needed some time to tenderize. You know, and and touching on the on the sausage aspect of it, every culture has a sausage in many yeah. ways, shapes, or forms. So that's how you know that it's been around for a long, long, long time, because you know everybody has different. Everyone has a sausage. So, the Italians have Italians have salami, pepperoni. Uh, the Spanish have chorizo. The chorizo. Mortadella. Mortadella is Marciano. Oh, I can't even say it. Marciano. Which is also an Argentinian. Uh, what? Cajuns have Boudinoir. So, to the front, that's so a French the, thing, too. Yeah, French Cajun thing French. Too. Uh, I mean. Something that we're totally missing on this charcuterie that everybody loves and they eat it. Any, any way, shape, or form that we're not saying is bacon. 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 But who doesn't love bacon? It's meat and fat. It's so good. And it's cured and smoked. You know, and uh, so it's a bunch of tasty goodness. Let's let's talk about the curing process. Let's talk about the types of meat that revolves that, like, the I guess the... The meats that stand out the more, is, the, the most in... Is, is in charcuterie, the thing is pig. All right. Is uh, pig, is is the big one. Is, it, like, most things have some kind of pork fat or 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 pork in it. Heard. Uh, there are some that do things with beef. We do do things with, like, what's it called? We do things with offals, which is, like, liver and right. sweetbreads the and hearts. Inner- Hey girlfriend. Hey girlfriend. <laughs> right on. So, and touching on the pig aspect yeah. of it, everybody, uh, when it comes to pig or high end pig, yeah. you talk about prosciutto, jamón serrano, and then jamón ibérico, yeah. and those and are, country ham and country ham, and those are pretty. Pr- that they, they all have their distinct their distinct amount of cure time and hang time, right? Yes. Where uh, most normal hams hang to eight to six months depending on how big it is uh-huh. and how much to eat because when you're when you're curing uh, when you're curing when you're curing a ham uh, it's about how much moisture it gets it is taken out of it which you right. want about 30% right on 30% to like one third of its body weight to to be released right on cool beans so prosciutto that's the Itali- uh, the the Italians do prosciutto. The Italians do prosciutto, and uh, prosciutto is made with a specific pig or no, any pig. It can be with any pig. It's the what was it? The Ambrico ham. The Iberico ham. Yeah. Now that has, has to be a specific, a specific pig. Specific pig. Is but that with prosciutto, it doesn't have to be. Now, let's jump to the Spanish counterpart of. Uh, prosciutto, mm-hmm. and that's jamón serrano. Yeah, and uh, iberico and jamón serrano are both come from the Spanish. You know the the Spanish. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, jamón serrano, prosciutto. I think a lot of differences. The one of the main differences between the prosciutto and the jamón serrano is that one is kind of fed acorns and. The jamón serrano is allowed to be to graze wild and wild, yeah, and uh, and let free range, yeah. And the prosciutto, not so much, or the prosciutto. Is that- the prosciutto is pretty much raised to, it's raised to, uh, by that pig that it is, because I mean, what if you did it with uh, what the best pig out there, which is a, uh, oh my god, the mangaliza, Mang- yeah, mangalese pig, because they're like the Kobe of fucking pigs, yeah. There's very there's a lot of different breeds of pork, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that we that have been crossbred and created. So, to, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, right well, on. Yeah. Well, their fat content is just beautiful. It, I mean, it looks like a Kobe steak when you cut into it. Nice. And it, what's and uh, price range also means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The so, better the pork, the better the meat taste less flavoring you actually have to so so, uh, just to give you all an idea 
of prosciutto. You can get a decent uh, low-end prosciutto, decent prosciutto, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Not low-end. You can get a decent prosciutto, I don't know, 20 to 25 bucks a pound. Prosciutto, prosciutto de Parma, like the real stuff. Like the real stuff, yeah, you're going to play a penny penny. You, but you know, you're, you're getting it imported from other countries. Right, and that's what I'm referring to. The Prosciutto de Parma, uh, you know, that's $20, $25 a pound. it takes a year, and you got to also think about it. It takes an actual year, not including the, what, three to four months that it sits in a salt bath. Hmm. Heard. And uh, then you have Jamon Serrano which is a little bit more expensive than prosciutto uh, because the price ranges range up a little bit higher for the cost per pound. I think, you know, some of the per pound costs are 50 to 60, probably mm-hmm. more per pound. Yeah. It just depends what kind of jamón serrano you're getting. Yeah. And there's many, many, and you can dispute the price all you want, and that's fine. Yeah, and if you really want to do it, you do it yourself. You do, you do it yourself, but you could always look up and just look up prices on Jamon Serrano and and Prosciutto, and they'll give you the price per and pound. And, and different and different hang times yeah. bring different prices. The longer it hangs, the more expensive. Yeah. And then you have the Jamon Iberico, and, and that's, they also call it the Pata Negra, and that is really, really expensive. And from what I understand, when you do when they're carving that, like they leave the foot on it and cure so that they but you, they remove the inside part. right so that you know that you're eating pataneira like Iberico ham yeah it's crazy and so that you know that you're not being cheated and you know it's worth the price and that uh, it's pretty tasty. Um, let's talk about other kind of like so pork. Let's talk about. Uh, is there any beef, beef, beef cured or beef beef based charcuterie besides roast beef? Uh, yeah, there's lasanos. They're usually done with a tenderloin. Right on. Uh, of of any kind of animal, lamb, beef, whatever the loin. You can't the less you want a less fatty meat. Cool. So that's why we use the loin and it's lasagna. Uh, los- having such a hard time saying everything. Lozano's. Right on. What uh, about pastrami? Pastrami. All right, pastrami, yeah. It's a very uh, Irish and Scottish, a little, probably even a little bit, uh, what, maybe even a little bit Arabic somewhere in there. Right on. Because of the spices that they use. Okay. And, uh... Our, uh, and that's basically like corned beef. Oh, I mean, corned beef and pastrami is a pickled brisket. Right on. Or at least the brisket end. Right on. Let's talk. So, other types of shark. We talked on the pork and a little bit about the beef. There's also. It's always been interesting to me that there's also, you know, bologna. Bologna. Oh, sweet bologna. But everyone's had bologna. Right. It's basically a, an over-large sausage. Right. And I think it's, it's a, it derives from, I guess it's about, I don't, I don't want to say it's a bastardized version of mortadella, but yeah. there's a lot of similarities to mortadella, right? It's Is just, it? I think people started not liking olives or, or cheese that they would put in it. Right. And mortadella. Or okay. the fat. And so they just did the meat. Probably right because mortadella has uh, actual chunks of fat. You can see it, yeah. and it's uh, and it, those olives. are. And that's where we get olive loaf from. Right, and uh, so like bologna, 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 uh, mortadella. Yeah. They're they're all emulsified meats. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, usually done with some kind of either like a milk fat. Right. And you used uh, and it's ground very fine, like probably t- double ground. Right on. Uh, what hot dogs? Let's talk about sausage. Let's talk about sausages. sausages because you know you said it. You know that's 
earlier sausages, yeah. and that's a form of charcuterie. And like every culture has some type of charcuterie. Well, I mean, what the basic idea of a so- of a sausage is, was leftover meat, basically right. trimmings from the prime cuts when they were cutting it up, and they still wanted to use it, so they made sausages and stuffed it inside a natural casing, Heard. which was usually either pork, beef, or sheep. Right on. So. Some of the sausages commonly known throughout that are very popular, kielbasa, Polish dog, like Polish sausage, uh, and dewey, Spanish chorizo. But yeah, but see the thing, and then we have uh, Spanish chorizo and then Mexican chorizo, which is like a wetter version, which we love for breakfast. Right. And, And if, you know, if you're more into the interesting stuff that most people don't, think about is blood sausage yeah. and uh but a lot of cultures use it's all about using the whole animal you know we t- you said earlier buddha noir and then black pudding it's called in europe yeah. in, in the uk it's called morcia in spain and throughout latin america yeah and they usually do it with the pig's blood yeah yeah always yeah, and yeah. pig fat and, and oats or rice right to give it some some texture some texture and weight yeah because well i mean yeah if you just did blood <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. make a it wouldn't coag- it wouldn't coagulate as much as you would right and it also it all i mean it also it just you can it also has a lot of spice different spices yeah. and every, every culture does it different okay. right i would imagine Different people, just like any recipe, people do different recipes their own like, way. There's a fermented sausage that's like called Induja. Uh-huh. And it's a spreadable sausage. It's kind of like a soft version. Like, I feel like the taste-wise, it's a soft version of summer sausage. Okay. Like, it's a spreadable one. What, what What's a summer sausage? Enlightened. It's like what you would get at Christmas or... Uh, but in the fall, usually it's, why are they, it's a hard. Why are they called summer sausages? Because is it because they're they're processed and made during the summer, and then well, and cured and cured during the summers. Yeah, and that's and is then, that why they and give it. We would have it during the winter. Right on, though. Because right. that's when it does come out. Is True. Most of the time is during the winter times. Touche, touche. Very po- good point. Yeah. <clears throat> let Let me ask you. About other forms of uh, charcuterie, copas, or copas are usually like whole, whole loin, or like, like you take a pork butt and you make an actual like cut of it. Right, and that's usually called capicola, right? Or capicola capi- is a stuffed, but it's bigger chunks and it's compressed. Okay. So as it dries, it. It compresses a little bit, okay, and it becomes a solid. But it's a really, it's really thick cut stuffed into like a stomach usually, or or a bigger like a beef bun. Right on. Uh, and it's spicy, and that's usually Italian or or Spanish. Right on. Cool beans. So. Going back to the andouja that you were talking about, and you said it's a more spreadable. Is that something that you cook, or is it just dry cured? And, and it's it's smoked. Uh, it's very it's cold smoked. So oh okay. So it it, get, it gets a smoky flavor, but it still is it still want the white mold to grow on it. Okay. And to cure, and it still stays spreadable. All right. Um. What about, I guess you, you mentioned mold uh, not too long, a couple of minutes ago. Eh, mold, is it good or bad, and what are the do's and don'ts, I mean? Well, I mean, the only mold you ever want to grow when preparing food is white. White is the mold that keeps away black and green. Green is okay if, if you do making your own charcuterie and you do see green mold. You can wipe it down with vinegar and just re re inoculate it. Right. So if I were to start, a, you know, making some charcuterie at home, whether it be a pancetta or bacon and 
a little green mold came up. Yeah. I don't. Have, that doesn't mean that I have to scrap the whole thing. No, you could save it by washing it with a little bit of vinegar and water. Okay, so you just kind of like dab it, so to speak. Yeah, get rid of the mold. Right on. And start over. Right on. Now, uh, this mold does it just naturally occur? Or do you? It, it, well, most molds naturally occur. It's just we found that white mold was the safest one. Right on. That and we could use. Now. In fermentation, at least. Heard. So let's say that I wanted to start for our, any of our listeners out there that wanted to start, you know, uh, doing charcuterie at home. You know, what would be your best recommendation to a good starting point to, to base off of? I would try a ham. A ham is something that was made in homes for a very long time. Ham, okay. Ham takes six to eight months to dry, about a month to cure. So it's still a long process, right? Yeah. Right on. And, and that you could hang in your in a in a cold larder or or pantry right or on. even a garage, but you would still would want to have to check it every day, make right sure. On. Because these are living things, right? Yeah, it's like a pet. You have to babysit it and maintain it. It, And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's just like, oh, you know, why is is it so expensive? And And it becomes from the process of making it. Right, the process of making it and the the time that it takes to hang. I mean, it just, I think it's the same as, it it goes to say with when they're dry, dry aged beef, I mean, that's stuff. Jerky. Jerky you know, was, is the biggest uh, charcuterie out there with beef is jerky. Like, people have been making jerky for hundreds of years. Right. And salted fish, uh, bonito flakes, is a, <laughs> it's a smoked, dried, and fermented fish. Wow. And then, well, speaking of fish, too, there's also, like, the botarga. Botarga, which is cured egg, uh, cured egg sac. Right, and then they shave it, right? They're, yeah, like you cure it and you shave it yeah. over like entrees and stuff, kind of like truffles. Usually, like yeah, like pasta and stuff like that. Right on, and I think I, <clears throat> something that our listeners can relate to and that they've heard in some way, shape, or form, uh, caviar or roe. Yeah, uh, that stuff is. You know, is salt and cured. Yeah. And it doesn't... I mean, I, I did a little research into the whole caviar process. I mean, it's quite lengthy, and you understand why it's so expensive. You know, they... Well, I mean, before before farming, before now we, now we have sturgeon farming, but back in the day, because they overfished Fish. sturgeon, so they started having to, instead of... Uh, killing the sturgeon they'd actually have to massage it out of the sturgeon huh. and they had specific people to do that for a while huh. but this was like these are the more high-end uh what's it called suppliers suppliers right on. they're the ones like they have like 50 year old 100 year old fish right on man and on this caviar subject you know and row you know you know it takes seven years i guess eight years and then, you know, they, they, they change it from tanks to tanks, you know, the, the sturgeon farms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clear water and what have you not, it's, it's astounding how much time and effort goes into it. And the amount of, mon- the amount of money that it has to cost to run it mm-hmm. and to maintain it and the upkeep. And some of it goes pretty, pretty expensive. And, but it's, it's worth the... Worth the price. Worth the price. Yeah, I mean, I had some at the Dominique Crin's restaurant, and it was absolutely amazing. And it was like 60 bucks a scoop. Wow. So, I, another uh, form of charcuterie that, that revolves around fish, and I'm sure a lot of you, a lot of our listeners have enjoyed it and ate it, and they just don't really think about it, is lo- uh, Gravlax, otherwise known as what locks and bagels, whatever goes into the, the, you know. Which actually came from the Vikings. You know. Like, they would go on fishing trips for salmon, and uh, 
as they were going to the place that they were going, or the salmon was going to spawn, the fishing hole. Right. They would still catch fish along the way, but by the time they would have gotten that fish home, they would have been bad, and they would have just had it thrown away. So they decided to bury it, or, yeah, basically dig a hole, bury, or cover it in salt, and then bury it, and then... When they would come back with all their fresh fish, they would also have cured fish, which grav means whole and lox means fish. Huh. Interesting. Well, that's pretty awesome. And I, I've had the opportunity to make grav lox twice, three times before, and it's a pretty lengthy process just because, you know, the waiting time, it kills you, and you just, you eat, when you eat it, it's all worth it, but the waiting time is, is, yeah, and you can do so many things with it. Like, I mean, the the base is usually lemon and dill. Sometimes you can do beets. You can do all kinds of other cures and change the flavor and the dynamic of the fish. You know, and and, and that's just one aspect. And you know, some of some of them do, you know, the curing and then the smoking, which turns into your smoked salmon. Yeah. And uh, also goes on the lox and bagels and other and and what have you not. Which is yeah more, but that was more of a Native American right on thing. The 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 preservation to yeah. preserve it, right on. Uh, you know, let's talk about. Let me ask you more about some of the fermentation processes. Let's talk about everybody's favorite uh, pork uh, bacon. Uh, <laughs> Bacon. Take us through 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 the pro- well. It's it's what's it called? Well, my recipe is usually fifty fifty salt and or uh, brown sugar to sugar, and then uh, what's it called? Maybe about another and then another fifty of of salt, right. and then a little pink salt, which is usually cure one, right, and. And then you can spice it any way you want, but I mean that's the base of most. And that's a wet cure or a dry cure? It's a dry cure, but it does. It it's meant to pull out moist. It's meant to pull out moisture. Right. Cool bean. And, and salt it because oh. that's where we get. That's why bacon is so salty because it's left in there for like seven days. Right on. Pressed. And uh, after that, it goes to a the smoker. smoke. Yeah. A smoker. And that's it, what turns it pink. Right, and that's when they you go into the pecan and applewood. Yeah, yeah. and, and then you want to do a very light smoke on it. You don't want to do too high of heat. You right. want a more colder smoke. A colder smoke. Right on. What? Well, that makes sense. And everybody loves bacon, you know, from, you know, candied bacon to straight up bacon. Shoot. Dude, everyone eats bacon, except the vegans. Now, also looking into that, I mean, I guess other... Here in the states, we only use the pork belly yeah. to make bacon, but in other in uh, other parts across the world, in Europe, they use guanciale, guant- uh, the cheek. They use uh, any 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 part that is is higher in fat than meat. And that is, you know, that baffles me that we don't do that here. And but again, it's, it's supply and demand, and you know, yeah. And guanciale, like I said, it's a longer process, do you too. Think, do you think that, that we're freaked out as, you know, as Westerners, we're freaked out by the process of eating other other parts of the animal, even though it's going to probably yeah, taste I, the I same think so. or I think, similarities? I mean, if you look at European culture and all that, they, they've grown up on eating the whole animal because back in the day when they didn't have refrigeration... You had to use the whole animal. You have to use the whole animal. Where with us, once we had refrigeration, I think people stopped looking at offals as a viable mm-hmm. option to eat. All right. Well, well since we're in the, out, the subject of offals. Well, like, I mean, what? Liver. Think about liver. Like, pate is basically a... Uh, pate is, is European, where meatloaf is American. Right on. And they're basically the same thing, except meatloaf doesn't have the liver like in pate. Right. What? What's a? And, and there's your pates, your mousses, and not like your chocolate mousse. It's just 
Yeah, uh, there's chicken. There's chicken, chicken liver, liver mousse. There's pig. There's beef. And like, the, it's just that chicken is the more acceptable. One. Right, prevalent one. And easier and cheapest. Uh, and, and you you're jumping from pates, which is liver. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be. It can. I've seen it done with beef as well. Yeah, where mousses are made with more butter. Right. And then. Pâtés are also made with butter, but they're high. They have a higher protein content right on. than fat. Now, let's talk about rillettes. Now, a rillette is usually a cooked meat uh, mixed with some kind of animal fat. fat. So it's usually most nowadays people choose duck fat right. or pork fat. And, and a lot of, and and this stuff can be served room temp. Yeah. Yes. Uh, re- it's usually spread on a cracker or right. a crostini. Crostini, or- right on. And, and those usually come on charcuterie boards. Yeah. You know, and... I had some lovely one at at Cured. Uh, at they had, like, a, on the top, the, the, the fat on the top was actually a, what, apple and jalapeno fat. Oh. Which that's, was really good. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So they infused it. That's pretty cool, man. You know... It's it's always awesome, and it's always refreshing to see, you know, people's different takes on something traditional or something that's happened for a long, long time, right. and just go up and change and put their own, their and own, then tweak it and put their own uh, touch on it. Like I well, one time, like my favorite, one of my favorite soups is pozole. Right. Right. And so I did a actually a pozole head cheese. Right on. Oh, and that's so, right. I remember that. Yeah, it was and, beautiful. And, and also head cheese. That's another form of charcuterie, and that's going to bring us into, like, let me ask you about terrines, and, and because terrines are something that's pretty awesome, and they're, you know, it's kind of an old school thing that, you know, not, class, a, lot of people not a lot of people do it in the old, the old school chefs, and there's a lot of chefs that are bringing it back, man, mm-hmm. that are bringing that, that kind of, you oh, know, geez. the artistry back, yeah. and you know, fuck, it, it just... Time consuming and so many things can go wrong, and you don't know what the end fucking end product is until you break it out of this fucking mold yeah. and cut into it. Yeah, if it's gonna if you cooked it enough to where all the collagen and and that has cooked out of it to make the jelly, because that's what Jello the, the, is. The, the, right. Jello is basically collagen. Right. Right. From joints and of animals. animals. And so, you know, you see a lot of these ter- you know, terrines and. You cut into them, and some of them get pretty creative yeah. with everything and anything. And it's and pig's ears it, is usually it, a big uh, one. You know, there's even vegetable terrines for you. Yeah, for which pe- you can use agar agar, which right. is a seaweed gelatin. Right, and it, and those are so colorful and so so appealing to look at. But always remember to blanch your veggies first before you put it in. <laughs> uh, I remember that we did that in culinary school. We did our first one, and that was our only critique on it. Like we did this beautiful, like uh, black and white veggie terrain, yeah. which inside it had a bunch of other veggies inside of it. And uh, our, our teacher said, like next time, blanch your veggies so they they soften a little bit. Right on. So always remember that blanch your veggies before you put them in your terrain. You know, and the terrains can go beef, pork. And can I don't I don't you know that do seafood. I, and I was gonna ask I've never I've never seen or had a seafood one but I, I mean well there's a lot in, in a couple of the books that I, I have you know the and artist charcuterie uh, charcuterie has one too curd you know there, there, there's a, a long list of books out there that you can that you you can look for and uh, you can help you start your journey on charcuterie or even just uh, a good book to have just to overlook and see, you know, there's a, the charcuterie, the the craft of salting, smoking, and curing by Marco Roman and Brian Colson. And then there's the art of charcuterie, and then there's cured, and that's by Lindy, Lindy Wildsmith. And these have a lot of, lot of pretty awesome recipes and just... And then there's also Salumi again, which is with Michael Michael Roman, and and it has a lot of insightful different takes on different types of charcuterie, charcuterie of the world, and it's just 
and and also across culture. So, you know, it's 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 a very lengthy process, and it's it's important to be informed because if you're gonna go ahead and undertake and take on something like this, it can be a pretty expensive project, and you can always operate on the poor man's budget, and that's something that that I, that we've talked about it. On, on previous episodes, poor man's budget. I always tell Zach, we're on a poor man's budget. If we're doing a pop-up or we're doing an event, I was like, let's stick to poor man's budget. Yeah, you know, it, allow, it, it sucks sometimes, but it allows you to think quick on your feet and be resourceful and, and find different ways to, to do things and, and be able to achieve the same result. Yeah, be- I had worked at one restaurant where they weren't gonna buy me a fridge but they wanted still they wanted to still make a charcuterie plate, so I had to delve into my bag of tricks and figure <laughs> out things. I made what I made kofas and you made bacon for him. He bacon. did all kinds of stuff. I made and bacon it, and and uh, what smoked. Oh, the best one though was this. Uh, I did a verde smoked uh, turkey breast. All right, huh? It was so good. And. and uh, Zach has had the opportunity to, to start up a couple of uh, charcuterie programs, and he, when he did his second one, you know, they told, they, I guess, I don't know, I'll let you tell us, they promised you. They promised me the world and equipment gave, <laughs> and gave me nothing. Yeah. Uh, I'm just a, a smoker. That was a, I think that was the only equipment they actually bought me, and a grinder, I guess. So I had to stick with sausages and smoke things. But you did did you did learn something? Yeah. And you you were able. So I, I did. I, I made a, or I would say a bastardized version of charcuterie because <laughs> it wasn't aged. It was just salted and smoked. You know when Zach and I, when you and I talked about that, I think they didn't expect charcuterie to take that long and they were just like uh no 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 you know we don't want to make that kind of investment or no just make it quick and when they would get you something they would miss something and i remember zach used to go on a rage and he'd be so upset about oh they got me this and they got me that and they're upset because i ran out of bacon and but yet they didn't get me any bacon to cure or smoke and you know so for them they were under the impression that this kind of kind of uh, craft or, or, th- you know, would go over so quickly. They wanted it to go. They wanted this craft to be speedy. Nine one one. Hey, a week or two, and everything's done. Yeah, you know, yeah. but this kind of stuff takes way more time. You know. Yeah, like I mean, I could have just done them a bunch of pates and head cheeses, but that's not what people would have recognized. Right. <clears throat> you know, and, and touching on the on the the aging process, you know, now we have the different, the cure number one, the cure number two, and and they didn't have it before. Yeah. So that's what I that's that was, you know, something that I kept telling you. I'm like, they, you know, if you don't have the cure number one and the cure number two, how did they do it before? Like that, it you was, know, that should have to get done somehow. Well, I mean, that comes from salt. You know, and it just it just takes it just took longer from what I've been reading and yeah. and with our conversations. Which, yeah, and, cure one and cure two speeds up the process. You know, and it's just that's crazy. That that baffling that it's speed it speeds up the process, and if you didn't use that, it would just take even longer. So I think that's why that's why most people can't fathom how long yeah. and why it's so expensive and. You know, you're basically, especially if you're dining in a restaurant. You basically, what I think about it is like when people didn't have refrigeration and they needed food for the winter, especially when things weren't going to last, especially with meat. Right. And it was going to go bad and they couldn't keep it alive. Right. Because that's what they did. Is like That's why most people had like a stable and they kept certain animals on track when they were ready to eat, but they still needed to use that whole animal. Because why throw out half of an animal and just use like a pork chop? Pork chop, yeah, or a ball, yeah. ham, and or so they would put it in their cellar and let it age. And so when it came to the time when they didn't maybe have an animal, but they had cured meat. That's huh. 
Bueno. Now, let, let me... In my in my little navigation and research, you know, you talk about, you know, I was reading about, you know, the natural casings and synthetic casings. And, you know, there's a beef, the pork and the lamb and the lamb. And those are all the different types of casings, you know. Uh, is that something that, you know, natural casings are better than synthetic or well natural case it's the difference between natural casings and 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 synthetic casings is where with natural casings one they're easier they when they break down they're easier to eat and digest where unnatural casings are a little bit harder and those are the ones you usually peel off right but with synthetic uh casings you get more uh, uniformed uh, sausages. Sausages, yeah. Right. I guess you'd say it's more uniform. You're thinking about a, yeah, when you're making a sausage or a salami or a bologna. Yeah, you can actually get it to a it, certain it, size. It, it keeps its shape a lot, and better. you can do a lot longer. Where right. with like back in the day when they were making it out of like cow stomach, and right? Pigs, pigs, uh, it had a it, certain it always shape. had its yeah a, weird a funky shape. shape yeah and so the consistent the shape was is more consistent yeah. which and at some when what it, it must help with the curing process it also beca- locks in more stuff right well that's that's pretty awesome right on yeah. man yeah because you know I was like ah synthetic you know natural but you know I mean but most people go with natural next to synthetic. You know, and you everybody's probably had a natural a natural case, and you just don't realize. If you like bratwurst, if you like Polish dogs, you uh, like even hot dogs. It, hot it, dogs used to be cooked in natural in casings. natural casings. Hot, you know, hot links, all that good stuff, man. You just don't realize it, and you know, I think char- charcuterie's always been around, and that's just now that they've made it something ooh fancy, and it's really, it's just really an old. Uh, technique, technique of preservation and there's people what in Germany who can stuff a sausage with by hand and that is yeah man you know what I saw a couple I, I came across something like that I, and I was uh, watching a video man and, and they're fast they don't they don't fuck around it's just like boom 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 and it, it's pretty awesome yeah. it's pretty awesome to watch you know you have all kinds of it's just the the men, especially with the sausage possibilities, it's endless mm-hmm. because you can do anything. Do, you can do anything. You be Zach here's made a couple of sausages. He made like a a chicken and jalapeno one, yeah. which was super awesome. Or the chicken bacon. Or the chicken bacon was super awesome. Yeah, that was good too. You know, and so the possibilities are endless. You know, it just comes up to it. It's the right amount of fat and, and meat. So, if let's talk, let, tell me about your first experience with charcuterie, and when you decided, like, hey, you know what, this is what something that I'd like to do. Well, I've always been a big fan of deli meats and stuff like that, and like my first, like the truth is, my first like charcuterie was spam and potted meat. Right on. Canned meats. Cool. Like I same like, here. No yeah, worries. Spam, like fried spam. I loved it, and it's it's charcuterie. It's it's a very low form of charcuterie, but it's but it's still it, fucking tasty as fuck. Yeah. And potted meat also. Like I love potted meat and eggs. Right on. Cool beans. You know. But I think school is where I found my true love because when we did the proteins class. We got, like, the teacher really liked all the crazy ideas that I wanted to try, and he let me do that. But I think it was Boulevardier where I really, like, grew in, into my sausage and salami making. So when you started there, I mean, did you did you just, like, did you... Did you just start pick, doing charcuterie? No, I had to earn that title. Did you, did you, did you start with specific recipes, or... Yeah, you, like, I started with what they had already been doing, which was, like, uh... Uh, country pate and uh, liver mousse and I so got like real the, good at that the, the quick stuff that comes out quickly right yeah stuff that we could make in a day right. and I got real good at that and they saw that I was good at that and they started letting me do different things like 
duck ham and duck prosciutto or and what's it called they had already done a pastrami but i changed the i went and did my pastrami right on recipe instead of theirs do you ever get to do the the tongue pastrami that yeah you that's did? what that's right why. um that was a fun one and then i grew into salamis and then we got we finally had gotten a fridge available to us and we started making salamis right on and you, you, your pancettas and bacon too pancettas huh? yeah i made curried pancettas and all kinds of crazy ones. Uh, my Anduja, I did a chorizo one. Uh, and I even did a Dan Dan one, which is like my favorite uh, <laughs> Chinese uh, dish. Right on. Which, I mean, uh, what? Usually they do, what, in Bon Mies, they do a pate. Right. But sure, I, sure. but you could do an Anduja instead. And so, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and it... Man, that, that's... that's that's crazy. Yeah. It's just so much. So it's really just finding a different spice blend, finding a flavor profile you really like, and putting it in the in the salami. But do you recommend for somebody that's never start? You know, start with some basics. Start yeah. with the basic foundation stuff. Yeah. Learn do, how- do a regular one first, and then play with it. Okay. Once you understand like how the salami needs to be cold, like the meat needs to be really cold when you grind it. Right. So it doesn't. Uh, some salamis you can't like well like what with sausages and, and hot right. dogs you, you emulsify so it gets it's a really fine dough Don't. where with salamis it's more of a chunkier one right. and you do a bigger grind on and it and you mean you mean paste not yeah, dough yeah paste dough. <laughs> right on cool beans man yeah um, paste and I mean it's just finding those flavors you like after you've done the first one because that's what I did I took that Cure the Charcuterie book uh-huh. and I did everything in it. Right on. Like, I mean, I literally did every recipe in that book. Right on. And then I moved on to salami and and tried to do them basic. And then I go back and, like, I really like this one, but I think this flavor will work better with this one. Cool. So, and salami making is a little bit more complex, right? Yeah. Okay. Because some of them you have to, like, cold smoke. Some you have to let sit before it even goes in the fridge to, like, start the mold to grow on it. Oh, you have to leave it out and let it be out in the, the air and let it collect the natural mold that's huh. in, like, the yeast almost. Snap. Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, what else? It's, it, like I said, it's always, there's always a different way to do it to get a different fermentation. Hey. You know, um, we, we we Zach and I we you and I have talked about you know, let you know getting started and you know even for me it was a little you know it wasn't that I wasn't understanding what you were saying it's just you know I wanted you to when we talked about let let's start making some charcuterie and then you were trying to explain I was like let's do salamis and this and that. And all these different, you know, types of sausages and, and cured meats. And you're like, you know, they have to be kind of separate and they can't be touching. Be, I mean, well, you, you, some of them you don't want too much white mold, but you always want white mold. Like the one at the refrigerator at Cured, they have like everything, like they have their their prosciuttos hung together. Right. They had some salamis and they had salamis hung together. And then copas and like loin kind of right. uh, lasanos all hung together. So I mean they can still be in the same fridge. It's just you don't want you want to keep them with the uh, the the sa- in the same area. Cool basically. beans, right on. Well, you know, because like what if one gets green mold and the other one doesn't? You don't but you talk that, that, that but the, that 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 uh fridge at Cure, you're talking like walk-in size. Yeah. You know, this is a big refrigerator he's talking about. Yeah, with a smaller one, you want to do, like, certain things. Like, maybe on the top, you do your whole cuts, and then you do on the bottom the salamis. Right on. Or you can reverse that. And, uh, if y'all want to be able to see, if y'all would like to see some pictures of some of the charcuterie that Zach has cooked up in the past, or, you know, even now, uh, go, go on to our Instagram and uh, two cooks without a kitchen, uh, and you know, follow us, send us a DM, ask us questions, 
you know it doesn't necessarily need to be about charcuterie food anything you want please hit us back with some feedback if you you know any suggestions we're open to suggestions you know we appreciate all our listeners uh and so any comments or feedback that we get it'd be fantastic and if we can part you know give you some of our you know nuggets of wisdom whether it be charcuterie pop-ups anything you know from hey how do i how, how do i cook a steak yes you can you can get it from a video and you can look look it up and you know yeah. we, we'd, we'd be more than happy to share our our experiences our information and our knowledge with you guys you know and follow us on twitter as well you know at, at two cooks without a kitchen and uh like us comment again comment comment anything you gotta say you want to say you know or know. ask let us know you know and uh you know it'll help you keep in touch with us and keep you up to date with with what and Zach help us and I make are, a better show right every day and, and every, every week we we strive to get better and better and uh we have a lot of different things that we're we're going to be talking about and you know we we're excited to share with y'all just so uh we look forward to hearing from you guys and i hope that i hope that you get the opportunity to continue to listen to us and our listener support if you're listening to us on the anchor app go ahead and leave a, a voice message on the, on the anchor app and let us know what's up if you're on podcast if you're on itunes give us a five give us a five stars leave us a comment you know if you're on spotify stitcher uh where google cast it doesn't matter give us a like follow us subscribe and uh keep in touch and uh, again any question that you have over anything it doesn't need to or even if you don't want to say anything and you just want to say hi and uh, you know we welcome that and hi hi and hello back so stay hungry be happy and always be ready to eat